But there's this guy named Joe, and Joe decided he was going to have his mother over for Thanksgiving at his apartment. And it wasn't just going to be Joe and his mother. Uh, his roommate was going to be there, and it happened to be a girl. Her name was Rebecca. And Joe's mom wasn't too fond of this relationship because she thought there was a lot more going on than just being typical roommates. But Joe assured her, Mom, there's nothing going on. We're just roommates, so come over and have a great Thanksgiving dinner with us. So she agreed. So her mom comes over, his mom comes over, and they have a great dinner. And as Joe's walking her to the door, he says, See, Mom, there's nothing going on. We're just roommates. Well, the next day, Rebecca, the roommate, came up to Joe and said, Joe, I, I don't know how to break this to you, but the gravy ladle's missing. And he said, what? The gravy ladle? Yeah, the, gravy's ladle, the gravy ladle's missing, and I think your mom took it. He's like, come on, there's no way my mom took the gravy ladle. She said, hey, I, I don't want to like, offend you, but I'm pretty sure she did. So Joe decides to email his mom and says, mom, we had a great time the other night, so glad you could come. But I need to ask you something. You see, the gravy, the gravy ladle is missing, and I'm not saying you did take the gravy ladle, and I'm not saying you didn't take the gravy ladle. I'm just telling you the gravy ladle is missing. And so Joe's mom emails back and says, Joe, I had a great time at the apartment the other night, and I'm not saying you are sleeping with Rebecca, and I'm not saying you're not sleeping with, with Rebecca, but if she was sleeping in her own bed, she would have found the gravy ladle. Well, speaking of gravy, I hope you guys had a happy Thanksgiving. Everybody have a good Thanksgiving? That was a little bit of a stretch, just so you know. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. It was, it was a little stretch. Uh, hopefully you did have a th happy Thanksgiving. We did, and uh, it was just a great time to fill up on mashed potatoes. Hopefully everybody's over their food hangover uh, at this point, but um, yeah, it was great. Well, my name's Aaron. I'm one of the pastors here, and as you can tell, we're going to do things a little bit different today as Corey and I are going to be co-teaching this message, and we're actually wrapping up our series in Overflow. And the whole point of this series was for him and myself to be able to share with you some things that really were deep in our hearts, things that we have been learning from God, things that God has been teaching us, uh, so much so that it's just been coming out of the overflow of who we are. And so we wanted to talk about those things. So the first week I kicked it off and we talked about the importance of pursuing the fullness of truth and grace. And then uh, the next week, Corey talked to us about uh, hearing from God, a God that wants to speak to you. And then last week, I talked to you guys about the healing power of serving in our life. Well, today, we're, like I said, we're going to conclude this series and we're going to talk about something, again, that both of us are very passionate about, and it's actually in one of our vision values. Yeah, and in case you guys don't know what a vision value is, if you've not been to our Beatrice class, Aaron does a great job of describing this. But vi vision values are simply memorable statements that describe people who have experienced the gospel, uh, the, the good news of, of Jesus. In other words, it's the natural response to a supernatural transaction that happens whenever we get exposed to, to Jesus. And so, so these things are, are, are statements like uh, found people, find people, okay? Uh, saved people, serve people. Uh, the, the vision value that Aaron was talking to us about today is referring to is this idea of a grace leads to generous people. And that's the vision value that we're going to kind of springboard off of in our conversation today because this really should be a natural response to the good news of Jesus working itself in us. 
But, but as Aaron and I talked about this a little bit, uh, it's not always that simple. It's not always that clean cut. Grace doesn't always directly lead to generous people right away. Uh, as a matter of fact, as we talked about this a little bit further, there's kind of a step that, that stands in between grace and generosity. And, and that's what we're going to kind of focus our effort and our time on today. That's the one thing that we're going to be talking to you guys today about. And it's this. Grace leads to gratitude. And gratitude leads to generosity. And so in our time together today, I'm going to tackle the, the first half of this equation. Grace leads to gratitude. And I, I hope uh, that I can help us springboard uh, from grace to gratitude. And I'm going to do that by, by sharing a little bit of, of my story with you. Uh, those of you all that have been around here have heard uh, Aaron's story. And both of us have, have experienced grace. But I, I think we've taken different paths to come to this conclusion that we've come to. And, and to put us into the place that we happen to be today. And so let me share just a little bit of my, my story with you. I, I got to grow up and uh, have this privilege to grow up in a, in a background with both my parents uh, loving Jesus and, and being a part of a church. And so from a very young age, I, I was a part of church. I was, I was one of those guys that was raised in church and, and one of the few maybe that actually enjoyed going to church on the weekend. It was fun. I, we had youth pastors that made things fun. We, we had senior pastors that got up and, and taught messages that were relevant. And, and so even to this day, some of the most significant people in my life uh, were, were people from my home church. And so I, I loved going, and because it was fun, I, I showed up every week uh, like ready to learn and to engage. And, and so from a young age, uh, I had a real interest in, in God and spiritual things. And uh, I still recall sitting across from my children's pastor uh, at Dairy Queen, and he was sharing the good news of Jesus with me through the bridge illustration. The good news of Jesus is always better over Dairy Queen. Absolutely, I don't know if you, absolutely, yeah. Give people ice cream, and they get Jesus better. That's how it works. So, but but I have a vivid memory of sitting down uh, next to his name was Todd, and and he shared this thing with me. And, and at that point, looking back on it, I I, I know I didn't really grasp this understanding of grace. Uh, I, I was six years old at the time. I hadn't done like anything fatally wrong. You know, I didn't have these big things I needed to be forgiven of. But I knew, I knew that I wanted to be with God and I knew that Jesus was the way for me to have a relationship with him. And so from that point uh, forward, I decided I was, I was gonna give my life to Jesus and I was gonna follow after him. And so I, I started that process of, of following Jesus. I actually got baptized that very next weekend. And speaking of baptisms, we have a baptism today uh, after uh, this part of the gathering. We're going to celebrate that, so we're excited about it. Yeah. So I, I started this process of following Jesus and, and trying to do things that he was telling us to do and, and, and learning things in church and trying to put them in practice. But somehow, over the course of the next decade of my life, um, I became a performer. Uh, now, when I talk about performing, we're actually going to talk about this a little bit next week uh, when we start our Christmas series, and Aaron's going to bring that message to us. But when, I, when I'm talking about a performer, I, I, didn't, I didn't become somebody that I was, and I wasn't being fake. I, I just had this intrinsic desire to, to please people. In other words, I didn't, I didn't want to let anybody down. I, I didn't want to disappoint anybody. And, and certainly that was the case with my parents. Uh, and I don't know if it was expectations that were put on me or just just kind of my own natural disposition, but I didn't want to disappoint my parents and I didn't want to let down my coach or my teachers or, or my peers or my, my youth leaders. And, and, and almost to a very unhealthy 
degree that this was this was the the disposition that I had now now being a people pleaser and and having this overarching desire to not disappoint people had its benefits I, it gave me the opportunity to, to strive at things at a, at a greater degree than maybe I would have otherwise and so at an early age I excelled at sports my my coaches would would tell me to, to do eight laps and I would do ten you know and, and so I, I had an, an acceleration of, of sports at that early age and even in the classroom, uh, you know, I, I strive to, to get all A's. And, and so I would work really hard on my homework and, and take the test and, and try to get A's. And, 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 I, and I had straight A's all the way to my senior year, and I took an AP English course, and I ended up getting the B-plus in that class, and it devastated me, all right? Now, some of you guys don't have any clue what I'm talking about, but those of you all that have that perfectionism gene in you, you understand what a B-plus does to you when you had straight A's throughout your, your whole life, okay? But this I, never, pl- I never had that problem. You never had that problem? Good. <laughs> Uh, I did. Uh, so, uh, but even in my in my regular life, you know, I was trying to put in place the things that Jesus was telling us to do. I was trying to be perfect as Jesus Himself was perfect, and so uh, I tried to do good things for other people, and I tried to like watch out for those lines. Tried not to cuss, and tried not to drink, and tried not to fool around with girls, because because that's that's uh, you know what you should and should not do. And, and I got to tell you, I, I was not in the least bit perfect in those areas of my life. But compared to some of the other kids uh, that I was hanging around and some of the other peers that had my life, I, I was pretty good. And, and that was the problem. Why did you look at me when you said that? Like you were, you were... In comparison to Aaron, I was pretty good. I just wanted you all to know that. Um, but I, I, had this, I had this desire to be good, and I was achieving it to a certain degree. And that was, that was the problem. You see, somewhere between my acceptance of Jesus... Uh, and the place that I found myself at, I was trying to earn his favor. I was trying to earn salvation, if, if I was being truthful with you. I, I didn't have an understanding. I didn't have a grasp of grace. And it was affecting the way that I saw the world and my life. And, and I remember very distinctly in high school, I had this experience at a CIY, it's a Christ in Youth Conference uh, for high schoolers. As a matter of fact, uh, I'm going to be taking our high school students to a CIY this summer, and I'm super excited about it because of what happened in my life, this pivotal moment in my life uh, in ninth grade. And I remember um, having this conversation with God and this realization, and it had nothing to do with what was being taught that week. It was just this moment with God, and all of a sudden I realized this. No matter how good that I was, that I was trying to be, no matter how many rules that I followed, I was never going to be good enough. I couldn't achieve it. I couldn't, I couldn't earn my way into heaven. I couldn't, I couldn't gain God's favor by, by my own works. It wasn't going to be good enough. And guys, I'm just telling you all, at this moment in time, it was a necessary breaking of my pride. Because I had to realize that I couldn't be good enough in order to understand grace for the first time. And, and I, don't, I don't recall exactly how this happened. I know I had a conversation with my, my, my youth pastor at the time. I don't know if he directed me to this passage or if I just opened up my Bible and God directed me to this. But um, I opened up the Bible to this particular chapter and verse. It's this letter written by Paul to the church in Ephesus. And in chapter 2, verse 8 through 10, um, this verse forever changed my view and perspective on faith, on religion, on life, and specifically on grace. And, and this is what it said, all right? I open up this passage and it says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. Now, let me pause just for a moment here. 
This is the first time I'm reading this passage, and all of a sudden, that English starts coming out in me, the one that I got the B-plus in, okay? I realize that the, the tense of this particular verse is past tense. It is by grace you have been saved. In other words, it's already completed. It is already finished. This is the first time that I realize that, that the, the major difference between Christianity and all other world religions is how you spell it. See, all other world religions spell salvation, D-O, do. Christianity spells it D-O-N-E, done. When Jesus breathes his last and he speaks his word, he says, it is finished. And his work, the work of grace that was given to us, it was done. It was completed. It is by grace you have been saved. All of a sudden, wheels are starting to spin in my mind through faith. And I started to continue this. And it said, and this not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. This part of the passage just smacked me dead in my face. Because up until this point, I was trying to do good things in order to earn God's favor in order to earn salvation, in order to get to heaven. And even though I had accepted Jesus at a young age, I didn't understand what grace truly looked at. And all of a sudden, now for the first time, grace came into clearness for me. It came into focus because I realized that there's nothing that I can do to make God love me anymore. And there's nothing that I can make, that I can do to make God love me any less. It's not based upon my good or bad works. Because if it was, it would be my own merit that got me into heaven, into his good graces. But that's not what it was. It was his work, his initiative, his death, burial, and resurrection on the cross that gave me the opportunity to even be in his presence. It is a gift of God, not of my own works. And all of a sudden, things started to change for me. Things started to click. All of a sudden, the pressure was off. It's, not, it's no longer about my works to earn his grace. It's about his grace that lead my works. And, th and then I continued on in this passage. In verse 10 it says, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Mm. Guys, understand, uh, grace, grace comes at a cost. But it is free to us. And it demands a response. It requires a response for us. But, but now, guys, catch this. I no longer do the good things that I do in order to earn God's favor and to, to merit salvation. See, this verse changed my perspective. I now do the things that I do, and I do the works that God has prepared ahead of time for me to do out of the gratitude of my heart because I am saved. Do you all catch the difference there? You see, God's grace now motivates my gratitude. It pushes me to actually want to do things out of my love and appreciation for him. And that is, that is how I got from grace to a point of gratitude. Which leads us to our next part. Yeah. Anybody else in here thankful for, I should say grateful for God's grace? Yeah. Every single day. I don't deserve it. Uh, but he gives it to us. Let me tell you something that I'm not grateful for. Gluten-free food. <laughs> Especially gluten-free brownies. Where's Amaris? <laughs> hey, now, this is my wife. You got to be yeah. careful. Don't be talking about my wife like that. So we had a half gluten-free Thanksgiving. And the whole time I had to hear these ladies, there you are, 
try to convince me it tastes just as good as the normal stuff. It does. It's like, no, it doesn't. The fact that you have to argue it as hard as you're arguing it means it doesn't taste as good. So I'm, gonna, I'm an extra gluten kind of guy. I don't know if they can buy gluten, you know, and actually pour it on food, but I'm going to find some. Just so you know, our communion is now gluten-free, <laughs> just is. on your behalf. Buddy. Yeah, there it is. Well, guys, I, uh, I'm grateful for so much. I don't know if you guys go through those exercises around your table when you're celebrating Thanksgiving of all the things that you're thankful for and grateful for. I'm grateful for this church. I really am. I'm grateful for what God is doing through Trace, what God is doing through you and I think this is a really special place. I don't know if you can see it, but we can. And what God is doing through us and what I believe he wants to do through us even into the future. And one of the things that uh, I've said often around here as we continue to become the church that God is creating us to be is I want to be the most generous church that any of you have ever been a part of. And I know that by doing so, as we grow in that generosity, we're going to reflect the heart of God. Let us not forget John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he, that he gave. My hope is that as we grow in this, this spirit of generosity, that we reflect God's love all over this city and that you would join us in this mission of leaving a trace of God's love everywhere we go because that's a great way to leave a trace of his love is through generosity. And so what I want to do right now is I actually want to show you a particular passage in the Bible. It's in Acts chapter 2, and we're going to go there in just a moment. Let me give you a preface to what we're going to be reading. You see, Jesus has just ascended into heaven. He came, he died on the cross on our behalf. Corey just talked to us about that grace. And then he ascended into heaven, and then the church started. The gathering of God's people. And in Acts 2, we start to see this take shape for the very first time. And we see what their natural response was to the grace that they'd been given. So we're going to see how God's grace led them to gratitude that ultimately led them to generosity. Let's start in Acts 2.42, and we're going to kind of digest this together as we go. Here's what the writer says. It's actually Luke. He says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. So we've got to stop there. One of the things that would have been including in this breaking of bread would have been communion. Out of their gratitude for what Christ had done for them, they knew this is not something that they wanted to lose sight of. And so they wanted to celebrate with what we call communion as often as possible to be reminded of the cost that was paid so that they could have this grace. And so they broke bread together. They they remembered the cross by taking a piece of bread that represents the body of Christ and dipping it in a cup that represented his blood. We're going to celebrate that a little bit later this morning. But I don't want you to, to miss that because... This is where, I don't know, I can't speak for you, but for me, this is where my gratefulness is recalibrated. Every single week, this is why we do communion every single week here, because even in the midst of ministry, even in the midst of trying to do things on behalf of God and helping people as a pastor, I lose sight of Jesus. I do. And communion for me is a way to recalibrate where my mind and focus has to stay. And there's an actual mental exercise that I put myself through, and I would encourage you to do it if you need to. When we take communion, I don't do this every time, but often I will picture myself at the foot of the cross with Jesus still on it. And I'll think about what it would feel like if I was kneeling before him, looking up and literally watching him suffer for me. 
And it's a way for me to recalibrate and get me back to this place of gratefulness so that I'm living out of this place of gratefulness and not this idea that I'm supposed to just be a good person, as Corey talked to us about. Let's pick up in verse 43. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Can you imagine how effective and powerful we would be as a church if we had everything in common? And unfortunately, the opposite is true oftentimes, isn't it? The things, because I mean, if I look at this, when I I hear these these words had everything in common, it, it, it brings to mind unity. The idea that everybody was on the same page and not only do we not get to experience this as often as we would hope, but we see what actually divides us and how petty it can be. And my hope and my prayer, our prayer has been from the very beginning that things like music styles and Corey's haircut wouldn't be things that would divide us. I like your haircut, actually. It's, it's nice. That's not what you said this morning. <laughs> you tried to lick your hand and put my hair down. He had a big calic. It was sticking up. I'm like, come that. here. Talk to my mom. Yeah. But guys, can we be different? That's what I'm inviting you into. Can we be a different church? Can we try to find as much in common together as possible, specifically things that we would call the main things on who Jesus is and this idea of growing in his likeness and reflecting his life and love with everybody we come into contact with, leaving traces of that love everywhere we go. Can we learn to have those things in common? And if we need a place to start, I think the next three things that we read that they actually did, their response to to the grace that led to gratitude led them to become generous in three specific ways. So if we need a place to start of some things that we might want to have in common, maybe we'll start here. Let's pick up in verse 45. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day, don't miss that, every day, every day, they continue to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. So what we're seeing here is their gratitude bleeding into their generosity. How they became generous as a natural response. Nothing somebody told them to do as a natural response to being grateful. There was a natural response to the grace that God had given them. So let's go in reverse order here. And I want to talk about these things. We're going to split them up in three categories. So let's start at the end here. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. What do we see here? We see them understanding that their homes were not their own. Guys, everything we own, everything in our possession is not ours. It's God's. He gives it to us to be stewards over it. Our homes are not our own. And so maybe something that you could be challenged or even encouraged with today is how can you use your home to become a a breeding ground for ministry. Some of you guys have been asking, um, are we going to do groups here at Trace? Are we going to start groups? And the answer is yes. We're actually going to kick them off in January. And so some of you may be asked to open up your homes and start neighboring groups. Maybe you're not the leader, just a host. You've got a home that would be a great fit for starting a group in. And my hope is that we all remember, whether it's our homes or anything else, they're not our own. How can we use the possessions? How can we use these type of things to honor God? Let's go to the next one. Every day they continue to meet together in the temple courts. Every day. So what do we see here? They were generous with their time, especially in their devotion to God. Every single day. Let me take a time out for a second. 
some of you guys are getting to know me a little bit better. And I know we have some guests in here, and hopefully you'll keep coming and get to know my heart a little bit, because at times I do want to challenge you. And I want to challenge you right now when it comes to this. They met every day, every single day, out of their gratitude because of the grace that was given to them. And they didn't just meet for an hour. They met for hours at a time. Guys, our encouragement to you and what we do every week at Trace is we meet on for one hour on Sunday morning. And sometimes I'm still blown away at the things that we will put in front of this hour where we come together for the purposes of devoting our time and attention and worship to God. Oh, there's a football game on. Oh, my kids got a sports game. Oh, my in-laws are in town. I ate too much turkey, right? I want us to be different. And let me say this to the parents really quick, and I don't, I don't I'm, I'm going to say this gently, but I'm going to say it candidly. We are unintentionally showing our kids that church is not important. Unintentionally. I'm not saying you're doing this on purpose. But the things that we're willing to put in front of an hour, just one hour every week where we come in, we call this corporate worship, where we devote our time and attention and even resources to God for one hour. We're intentionally showing them that that is not important because of the things that we're willing to put in front of it. Can we be different? And it shouldn't be something that we should feel forced to do. It should be a natural response. And that leads me to the last one. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Now, at that time, they didn't have a Chase Bank. They didn't have a lot of resources stored away somewhere. And so when they saw that there was a need, they sold what they had so that they could have money to give to where there was need. And we all know this right now. Even some of you right now is like, oh, no, is the preacher getting ready to talk about money? Yep, I am. And I would encourage you to lean forward here, okay? Because this message is really not about money. Generosity is about our time and our resources and the talents that God has given us. It's not just money, but money absolutely is a focus of generosity. So let me talk about this really quick. There's one place in the Bible where God, Jesus specifically, does something that he never does any other time. And it's in his Sermon on the Mount. And in his Sermon on the Mount, some would say is the most famous sermon that's ever been given. In the middle of the Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus does something that he never does any other time in the Bible. And what he does, he says, listen, I'm going to paraphrase. He says, you can't worship both of these things. You can't. Because you're either going to hate one and love the other. you got to serve one because you can't serve both. And what he puts side by side, he never does this any other time in the gospel. He puts them side by side. He says, you can't worship both God and money. In other words, he says, you can't worship both George and Jesus. That's what he says. But guys, if we're honest, and I'll put myself there too, okay? At times, we want to hold on to George really, really tight because George, George gives me hope. George pays the bills. George gives me security. George can actually even give me power and prestige and position at work. George can give me hope. The reason why Jesus puts these two things side by side is because he's showing you if there's anything in your life that you're likely to put in front of Jesus, it's George. And here's what I'm learning. And I don't get this right all the time. The more, let's just say this is Jesus. The more that I will hold on to Jesus and not put anything in front of him, the more this teaches me to be open-handed 
with George. And the more open-handed I am with George, the more we reflect the life and love of Jesus because of how hard it is to let this go. When we learn to let this go and become generous with it, we reflect God's love in a very powerful way. So my hope, church, is that we learn to be generous with George. Now let me, let me get up on a detour here for a second, and I'm going to have a, a moment with you. You want me to hold that illustration for you? <laughs> sure, it's Robin's anyway. This, this, she let me borrow. This is a test. This is a test. You passed. Yes. I expect to see that go in the offering. <laughs> so, lean in, okay? Lean in on this really quick, guys. We've intentionally we're eleven. We, I think it's eleven weeks into this. Twelve weeks, eleven and a half. Um, we're eleven weeks into this church plan, and we haven't talked about this at all yet. And we've intentionally not talked about it because we wanted to pave the way first of generosity. Some of you guys are new here, so you don't know that we did this, but the week after our grand opening, we gave away thousands of dollars to you in envelopes to go give away to other people. And the only way that we were able to do that is everybody in our team gave at least $500 of their own money, and we gave it away. Every single person on Trace's staff right now isn't paid at all by the money that you give. We all, because we wanted to take the burden off of the church, we went out and raised our salary for at least the first two years so that your money doesn't go to us, it goes to the ministry of this church. When I first came up here to, to plant this church as the lead pastor, now, I don't set my salary, by the way. Orchard, who's the church planning network that's behind Trace, sets my salary. And they told me what they wanted to pay me. And the only reason I tell you this, because I promise you this is not self-promotion, it's because I want you to see that we're willing to pave the way first. They set my salary, and I said, give me 30% less for the first year. Because God had blessed Emily and I through some real estate stuff where I didn't need to be paid as much as they were willing to pay me. Guys, we're paving the way of generosity because we believe in it. And we don't ever want to ask you to do something that we're not willing to do. And so I want you to give away your paycheck for the next two weeks, but don't do it yet. Corey's going to do it first. I'm kidding. That was all a joke. That's, everybody's like, what? Really? Yeah, Appreciate you volunteering my paycheck yeah, on yeah. that one. Let Corey lead, us the way, lead the way on that one. So here's my, here's my ask. Invest in what we're doing here. Grow in generosity with us. Don't let this be something that you lean back because sometimes we want to grab George, right? Some of you guys mentally just did this. You grab George. Don't tell me what to do with my stuff. But we forget. It's not yours. It's not yours. It's God's. He simply asked you to be a steward over it. Learn to be empty-handed with it. Now let me make this caveat. If you believe, if I've got some pastor hat on right now, you don't know me, I don't have any relational equity with you, I don't know how you're interpreting any of this. So if you think this is a ploy just to get you to give here and that's it, because we need your money, go give it somewhere else. I mean that from the bottom of my heart. Because I want you to learn to get rid of George, to be generous with George so that you will hold on to Jesus tighter. And if that means you need to go give somewhere else, then do it. But the hope is that we'll all move forward with generosity. And here's what happens. Don't miss this, okay? Don't miss this. Let me pick up in this last verse in 47. And remember, bounce back real quick. So they've done all these things. Now I want you to see what it led to. Verse 47. They were praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. 
And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Because of their generosity that was rooted in gratitude, that was rooted in grace, they enjoyed the favor of all the people. Friends, as we start to reflect the love of God through our generosity, we're going to find favor with the people in this city And our hope is that they'll see our generosity and they'll look at it. Maybe they ask the question, why are those people so generous? Why is that church so generous? And they'll follow that to gratitude. Well, why are they so so grateful? And they'll follow that to God's grace. And our hope is that the Lord will add to our number daily, hopefully, because of our willingness to have a natural response to God's grace that ultimately led to us being very generous. My hope is that you'll join with us in becoming the most generous church that you've ever been a part of. Yeah, Aaron, one of the things that you've you've talked about over and over again is that you want us to be a generous church, but that starts with us being generous people. And uh, last week you made a statement uh, about serving. And the idea of, of serving, actually, it's less about what you're doing for somebody else and more about what actually happens in you when you do it. You actually become more like Jesus. The same exact principle could apply for this idea of generosity. See, when you're generous, yeah, you, you meet a need, all right? Yeah, you help further a mission. But what happens is when you actually let go of stuff, you hold it lightly, you release it, you become generous, you become more like Jesus. Something happens in you, and, and, and it you know, consequently affects the kingdom of God all around it. And it affects the mission of this church, which is to leave a trace of God's love everywhere we go. But we cannot accomplish this mission, folks, if we do not learn to become generous mm like Jesus. But if we do, if we do, watch out. Because the world around us that's not interested to coming here on a Sunday morning and hearing a message or singing songs to God, they will see the generosity well up in us and overflow onto them. And and they will turn and they'll praise God because of the good things that they see happening. Because that is the equation. When we experience the grace of Jesus, it moves us to a gratitude and a thankfulness that, that can't help it but, but respond in generosity. And so that's what we're actually going to, to do right now is we're going to have a time of, of response. This is something that we do every week. And if you're, if you're new uh, here to Trace, um, what we try to do is we, we sing some songs to allow you to engage with God. We, we speak a message to, to help you interact with Him and to learn something. And then we give you an opportunity to respond to that. And, and there's several ways in which you can respond uh, to the message that you've heard today. Uh, as we do every week, we're going to have a couple of stations that are up front. And, and on this station, uh, we have the Lord's Supper, communion, you might have heard it called. Okay, this is, an, this is an opportunity for you to actually experience the grace of Jesus and be thankful for it, just like Aaron was telling us earlier. When, when you take the bread and you dip it in the cup, what you're doing is you're saying, thank you, God, for loving me first. And because of that, my love comes back to you. I'm going to express my gratitude to you. Uh, In addition to that, one of the ways in which we express our gratitude is by supporting the mission of the church that he has given us. And and we would love for you to support this mission. If you have enjoyed your time here, you are learning things here, you're growing here, you believe in what we're doing here, then be a part of it. Be generous, not just faithful in that. So we have some containers that are up here. Some of you guys, it might be the very first thing. And I'm not asking you to step up and to give 10%. We are asking you to give gratefully with a joyful heart so that you might become generous like Jesus. Start giving today and see what happens uh, in response and in return. 
in addition to that, one of the ways in which you might need to respond is you might need to, to spend some time with God in prayer. And you can do it right where you're sitting, or you can go to one of these prayer stations in the back that's lit up. We have some people there, some prayer partners, that would love the opportunity to pray with you about what's going on in your heart. Maybe it's something that's sticking in your soul that's keeping you from being grateful. Or maybe it's something you're holding on to that's keeping you from being generous. Or maybe it's an understanding of the grace of Jesus for the first time. We want to have that conversation with you and go to God on your behalf in prayer. So whatever it is, you're going to have the, uh, the period of this next song to kind of respond in those ways. And so I'm going to ask that you would pray with me as these guys lead us in this next song and you can respond. Father, uh, we thank you that uh, you initiated this whole process. It, it begins and it ends with you. You're the Alpha and you're the Omega. Uh, and, and Father, we know that, uh, that anything good that we do in this life is only because of the goodness you have shown to us and demonstrated in our life. And I pray that we would not get caught up in, in the good trap like I did, uh, Father, doing things in order to earn your favor, but it would be out of the gratitude of our hearts because of what you have already done that it motivates us far beyond what we would do in and of ourselves because of the gratitude of our hearts. Lord, make us generous people and consequently a generous church and allow that to shine brightly to the community around us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Feel free to respond.